Here we go again. Michigan State basketball continues to give the Spartan faithful whiplash with uneven performances over the last few weeks. This time it's an encouraging, solid victory over Indiana at home, followed by what I would call a rock-bottom loss to Big Ten basement dweller Penn State. It's the continuation of a pattern that has haunted the Spartans for much of the Big Ten season. Is there a way out for Tom Izzo and company, or is this just kind of what Michigan State is at this point? We will discuss on episode 67 of Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion and Kyle Austin with you on Wednesday, February 16th, 2022. Appreciate everyone for listening today, and as always, Kyle, welcome back to the Mitten. Uh, I'll just toss it to you right away because this team is going to give me an aneurysm. <laughs> uh yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't blame you trying to trying to get any sort of consistency i mean they it, it'd, be, it'd be one thing if they were just bad like it might even be easier then you know but it's yeah. like they they like tantalize you and like they play good games or good stretches like i thought they were really good in the second half against indiana um and they were pretty good for you know um what, what 25 minutes or so uh on tuesday night and, and then they just they kind of turned back into a pumpkin um and uh consistently inconsistent still um and you know it's just it, it's going on for a while and i think everyone kind of thought they'd snap out of it by now um and you know we've been talking about consistency since mid-january it seems like and here we still are they're they're four and five in their last nine games it's been a, the last month they have lost more games than they've won um so it's mm-hmm. It's more than a bad week. It's more than a bad, you know, three games. Um, this is a pretty extended stretch. Um, and we can talk more about how, um, you know, is, is this kind of what they are? And, and, and when, you know, was the schedule, did the schedule give everybody a little bit of false hope or, or is this a bad stretch they're going to, they're going to pull out of here? I don't know, but it, it's been a while now. I, I think it's what they are, Kyle. I mean, we it's, it's February 16th. Uh, this is a, I mean, this is a team that has consistently in the metrics, they've been mostly in the top 25, but, you know, some of them have them closer to the, to the lower half of, you know, maybe past it or 30. I think they're at 25 and 27 right now in the net and Ken Palm. And uh, let's see, 47th in defensive efficiency, 31st in adjusted offensive efficiency. So they're just kind of like this. I think this is just what they are. They're a team that has a lot of good pieces, uh, a lot of players that are good at basketball and have certain skill sets, but, for the majority of the team, it seems like they sort of are just sort of limited in their skill set. There's not that guy that can kind of just come in and, and do everything every single night. It's just a lot of good players that on any given night can rise up. But for some reason, the pieces just won't come together. Uh, and it's it's frustrating from a fan standpoint, because uh, like you said, you know, you get you get the Wisconsin game, you get Indiana, you get UConn, you get these games where they look like they could play with anyone. But then you have other times like, uh, you know, against Rutgers in the second half or uh, against Northwestern at home where the offense or Wisconsin at home where the offense is just, it's just gross. And it's, it's to the point where like, I think that I'm going to change my two. I have to, I am trying to think about how to watch this team, Kyle, because I've said what three pods now I'm getting frustrated about dissecting every little thing, because it seems like we arrive at a conclusion. And then the next game, that conclusion gets completely thrown up in the air and torn into shreds. So I think my new approach for watching this team is just to go in with zero expectations. And if good things happen, good things happen. If bad things happen, well, that's that. Like, I, I'm done setting the bar for this team. Well, I mean, because every time you set the bar, um, they go under it, <laughs> um, yeah. frankly. But no, I mean, what it seemed like just when we got to the point where it's like, okay, Malik Hall is the dude for this team. 
Um, he's showing it. Um, it, it, it hasn't worked out that way. And he's allowed to have a bad game. I thought last night was probably the worst game he's played this year. Um, and, and he's allowed that. But it's just um, – I, I thought the last, the last true – possession having a shot at the game was just very telling um penn state had gone ahead by one they got the offensive rebound i think was it sesums that hit the the jumper put them ahead by one um about a buck 30 left they get the ball and nobody wants to shoot they pass it and they pass it and they pass it and they finally get what looks like a good shot but it's too late and they don't get it off before the shot clock's over um and and to me that was emblematic of this team because nobody wanted to take the shot um and this is a team that still doesn't have that guy i micah shrewsbury afterwards um so he so micah shrewsbury former purdue coach for those who don't know former butler assistant so he was on the staff that played in that final four against michigan state and he's from indianapolis and i've heard him say multiple times that you know he's watched and followed the big 10 his entire life um you know including when he was in the nba and stuff so um he got asked you know you know you've watched time as your team your whole life what do you think about this one and most coaches are, are just going to say oh they're great you know they're time but he he gave some pretty Honest assessments, and it was nothing earth-shattering, but to hear it from an, an opposing coach was interesting. You know, he talked about, yeah, they don't have a guy. Um, like, like when you're at the end of the games, like when you're a coach, it's like you need your guy. Like, okay, this is who we're drawing it up for, and he's just like, you know, I they have four or five guys you could argue they could draw it up for, and like it, it sounds good, but it, it's kind of not, you know, when it comes down to it. Um, and and I just thought last night, um was definitely an example of that. There was nobody taking over down the stretch. Um, I, Malik Hall, I, I think, needs to be that guy, but he was not able to do it last night. And um, that's why they blew a 14-point lead and um, and didn't get it done in the last two minutes. How, how many times in that first half, though, where like, it almost looked like they were being too uh, passive? I mean, they, they passed up so many open looks, it looked like, in that first half. Shot fakes every single time. Pass it off. Shot fake. Pass it off. Shot fake. Like, there was one possession. I think it was like Aikens, Hauser, uh, maybe and Malik someone Hall, else. I think, did too. Malik yeah. Hall. It was one possession in all – like, there was three different times when I thought they were going to let it fly, and they didn't. So that was the first half. They come out in the second half when they played their best stretch of the game. They knocked down two threes right away. Good open looks in rhythm. I just felt too passive in the first half, and maybe that's them trying to get each other involved as a team, and maybe that was something that was pushed in practice, you know, run our stuff, look, get, get better shots, get open looks. I know Tom has been wanting – to get more looks for Christie and Gabe Brown, um, which they did get more shots last night, but not, not enough of them went in. Um, it, it was just passive. And then, yeah, that's, that's, it, that all came to fruition at the end of the game when uh, you know, you, you don't even get a shot off when you need it the most, but uh, you know, rebounding continues to be an issue. John Hara, who is, he's a good player, but he's been around for a while, but he's just a middling mid tier, big 10, big man. And he goes off for 16 and 16. We've just seen the bigs get out tough time and time again. Remember early in the season, we're talking, oh, maybe Gabe Brown is that guy. He's playing so amazing. I think it was maybe the last Penn State game when he just went off. He's completely disappeared. He had zero points against Indiana. Uh, He had, what did he have again last night? Seven, seven and two, uh, three rebounds. Marcus Bingham goes for five points, uh, four rebounds. He, He wasn't great versus Indiana either. I mean, those are your two seniors. And they're doing nothing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was going to bring that up. I'm glad you did. And and Gabe Brown in particular, like for me, his situation has gone from like, 
he's in a shooting slump. You know, he's taking shots, he's taking good shots, and they're not going in. It's a slump he'll break out of to like, you know, maybe he's just not a guy for this team in Big Ten play. You know, he he looked good in the non-conference. Like you said, early in the year, he looked like he was going to be in a guy. Early Big Ten when they were playing, you know, the five worst teams, you know, basically to start their their set season, he looked good. But, you know, once they started playing, you know, the heart of their schedule, um, you know, it, he just hasn't been able to get it done. And, you know, a, a lot of guys are going to struggle there, but he's the guy they need. You know, he's the senior. He's the most experienced guy. and this program just needs its seniors, especially one that's not overly talented like that. It just needs its seniors to be its best players. Um, and it, it, for a while it looked like that was happening and, and then it stopped happening. And, and it's true for Marcus Bingham, I think to a lesser extent too. Um, I, I don't think um, Michigan state needed quite as much from Marcus Bingham as it needed from Gabe Brown, but it certainly needs more than it did. It got the last couple games, you know, he, he didn't play much last night. Um, some issues with ball screen coverage and frankly, Julius Marvel was playing very well. Um, he but I, he played great, but then they, they played him eight straight minutes down the stretch and, and, he, was said, and he was gassed. And, and that was the reason that they gave up some of those offensive rebounds late. So um, you want to criticize some, some subbing issues, which I've, I've heard a thing or two about this season. Um, <laughs> that never happens. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's one of them, but yeah, I mean, that, that, that's more what I've thought of. It's like, um, credit to Graham Couch, you wrote this today, so I have it in my head. But like the um, the seniors aren't quite getting it done, and the younger players, like, did they just aren't there yet? You know, um, like, like Max Christie, I still think he's going to be a very good player. Um, was 0 for 4 from 3 last night. He just he's a freshman, you know, he's having a good game, and then a bad game, and then a good game, and a bad game. Um, Jay Nakins, I think, is playing his role well, but he's a freshman. Um, and then you know, they're their point guards, neither of them are freshmen, but you got a sophomore and a first-year transfer in there, you know, a first-year player in the program who hadn't played in the Big Ten before. So I think you're getting some of the, not freshmen, but the inexperience issues with those guys. Um, because, I mean, obviously against Indiana, they were fantastic. Best combined game they Amazing. played. Um, and then Hogard, I mean, and to be fair, I guess Hogard um, rolled his ankle last night. Yeah. Um, Tom did mention it looks that. pretty gross too. I saw okay. on TV. It didn't look good. Okay. Yeah. I didn't see the replay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, so allowing that, but that's still, I mean, they still didn't get much production, um, out of them and, and Tyson Walker really couldn't, um, couldn't run the offense to wait needed to be run at the end. So, um, I, I think some of the inexperience is showing cause they, they've needed to count too much on their younger and inexperienced guys because their seniors, um, ha- haven't really done what they need them to do, um, in the last couple of weeks. I mean, Michigan State, a hallmark of their program, you kind of said it, is, is these developmental guys. So by the time they're seniors, they are, you know, above average Big Ten players. You know, look at Matt McQuaid, Kenny Goins, look at Austin Thornton, look at mm-hmm. Drew Namick. I mean, you can go down the list of guys who were role players, and then they were really good players in the starting rotation, and then they were, like, top you know 30 players in the big 10 i mean it's it's you can you you see the development and it's key to the program and i think most people coming into this season thought gabe brown and marcus bingham would finally take that step we saw early in the season you know i think i even tweeted out like marcus brown or gabe brown and marcus bingham are perfect case studies in uh you know development and what sticking in school does and how you can get your game turned around and now it now they've fallen off a cliff again and i feel like an idiot for for sending that out so like it, it i it thought it too get, yeah, if they don't, but the bottom line is, Kyle, if they don't get better play, and Hauser wasn't really anywhere to be found last night either, either. And if they don't get better play out of those three guys, this team has no shot. I mean, th- th- that's just how it is. Like, you, you can't 
rely on these on on freshmen, especially when only one of them is a five star and he has some strength development to get to. So All like right. it's you just have to you have to get more out of those guys. And Tom, you know, you could tell he was in the press conference very frustrated with players. He wasn't he wasn't naming anybody by name. I think we know who he's talking about, right? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, I can like, we can fill in a gap or two. Yeah. Yeah. And so like that's you know, no, it, the names don't need to be said. They know it. And and I feel like he's tried a lot of different tactics uh, to, to get it, the latest of which, which which you guys were taking notice of last <laughs> night, no players talking to the media. I mean, that's that's very – that's like unheard of with this program. What did you make of that? Do you, do you see this as – is he like trying to send a message or were the players having a meeting perhaps? I mean, we don't really know, I guess. But uh, it was interesting. Yeah. Um, so – I, I guess I'll give the, the the whole the whole background on this, and I I want to make it like this is not a grievance. Like like my life goes on fine if they don't you know if they don't give me players. I'm not no, I'm not trying not, to complain. It's not reporter crime. Um, it, no, it's it's trying to explain. So Michigan State for for media is one of like the most open programs in the country. Like Tom Izzo talks constantly, answers every question available. Um, we go to practice, which does not happen. Uh, Pre-COVID, we went into the locker room, which I think they were one of like two programs left in the country that still allowed that. Um, so they're very open. And, and like it was like kind of a tenant or like philosophy of the program. It was like we are open um, and it, it came back to like accountability. You know, like if you're going to play for this program, you're going to answer questions, you know, for the fans, especially like if you're playing badly, like you were going to go out there um, and and own up to it. And it just kind of fit in with his overall philosophy of player accountability, take responsibility. Um, and he had never I, I asked some old time reporters uh, who have been around since the beginning. I said, if there ne- if there's there ever been a game where no players talked afterwards and nobody could remember one in 27 seasons. So that's why, that's why we're talking about it. Right. I mean, because it's some, anytime Tom Izzo does something that he's never, he's never done in 27 years, like it gets your attention. Um, and so like last night, um, he, he did his post game press conference. I didn't think he was like, he was typical, like after a loss, like I didn't think he was like steaming angry or anything. You listened to it. Like, like it was six minutes long. It was like six <laughs> minutes long. It was short. Um, and then we went like usual to, to the locker room to talk to players. We talked to them outside now because of COVID, but we went outside and um, just on his way out of the press conference, he told his, you know, his, his media guy, SID, he said, Hey, no players tonight. Um, so it's, um, I don't know. It, it definitely says something, you know, whether it's, he doesn't think these players, um, should be talking to, or if he thinks it wouldn't be good for them to talk to the media right now or, um, or what it is, you know, he definitely says something, but he's definitely handling players. It seems like overall different now than he used to. Um, and, and this is something you talked about. I saw you tweet about earlier today too. Like he's like, like if you watch him on the sidelines, like he's not blowing up like he used to, like he still has that reputation, but like, He's he's a little more mellow now. He's not screaming at guys. He's uh, he's still pulling guys when they screw up, but um, he he's got a softer kind of way about him. And you know, I don't know if it's good or bad. You know, I I think part of it is the um, just kind of the way things are now, the way kids are, the you know, the way I, I think I think certainly the views on tough coaching and the way he coaches change, and I think he's acknowledging that. Um, but I don't know, are we, are we losing kind of who he is and, and what made him a successful coach, um, when we're doing stuff like this? Um, 
I don't know. It, it's one game, you know, it'll probably go back to the way it was, but I, I thought it was very telling of kind of both maybe this team and what he thinks about it, but also like how much the landscape and, and the way he handles players has shifted in the last couple of years, if that makes sense. Makes total sense to me, Kyle. I mean, I've, this is something a lot of people I've, I've heard from people all year where he's not, it's, I mean, he still will pop off sometimes, but it's not like the fire and brimstone, you know, death glare <laughs> that we've right. all come to know from Tom Izzo. I mean, and maybe he's doing that behind closed, closed doors or in practice, but he definitely seems like uh, he's, he's handling this team with a gentler touch. And maybe that's because uh, that's what the players, this particular group of players responds to better, maybe. I mean, but it's, and I do think that the public pressure is is part of it. I mean, every time we, you know, we get the incidents, you know, with Gabe Brown and him in the uh, against UCLA last year, you know, ESPN, CBS, whoever, Fox turns it into some national headline about Tom Izzo striking Gabe Brown. And, you know, like it's some <laughs> bigger thing than it is. And I do think that the national conversation uh, around like coaching styles and how it's become maybe a little bit more, uh, you know, some would say soft, uh, not as hard nose, not as... Uh, I do think that is impacting the way he's coaching, just the changing ideas around that. And maybe he's changed his philosophy somewhat, but he has always demanded excellence from his players. And the way he did that was at times striking fear into them because if they messed up or did something that wasn't up to his you know, standards, especially with hustle stuff, they would hear it. And Izzo, I think at this point, you know, I, th- I think he has tried to do that at points, you know, take the gloves off and, and get after this team or challenge guys in the media. Some do it with Marcus Bingham earlier this year. I think at this point in February, he doesn't feel like he should have to be doing that anymore. He's waiting for Gabe Brown, Marcus Bingham, Malik Hall, uh, somebody, anybody to step up and be a vocal leader in the locker room from the players. And I'm not in the locker room, but you don't see guys like, you know, you do see Gabe Brown sometimes get on people, um, but he's playing so poorly right now. He probably doesn't feel empowered to tell anybody how to play. You know, right. it's, it's just like, and then guys like Bingham, he doesn't seem like a naturally fiery guy. Hall, Hall, Hall kind of is, but I think who, who was the former player that called him out needing to be more fiery on the court? Uh, just the other day, was it Respert or somebody did when he had that dunk? Uh, and then he's like, you need to be like getting real pumped up and getting everyone fired up. I just, I just don't know if this team has the leadership it needs. And I think Tom is waiting for somebody to step up and into that role. And, and it's just not happening. I, I no, it's I, not. I and, you know, being around him some, like it, it, it just doesn't seem in Malik Hall's nature. Um, mm-hmm. Like he's, he just seems like a, a pretty chill laid back kid, you know, from talking to him and like, like it's okay if not everybody is Draymond, you know, you but someone though, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you do kind of need somebody and, yeah, I mean, you go down the list. Uh, I mean, listen, Gabe Brown and Marcus Bingham are the guys. You know, I still think of them as the guys that spent their freshman year dancing on the bench. You know what I mean? Like they're they're kind of the class clowns. Um, yeah. And it, like, there's a point. I I think that's a good thing for a team to have some guys like that and have some levity. But yeah, you're when gonna run. Sophomores. You're gonna run in, right when they're sophomores <laughs> and they're playing ten minutes a game, like, and they're going to the final four. I think it worked out fine, but. Yes, when you are seniors um, and, and those are the guys you're counting on, um, I think that, yes, you're, you're running into the issues. And like we've seen kind of moments of it, like like A.J. Hogard last game started getting into um, Pierre Brooks. Um, he missed a switch um, and, and he got a new good. Like there's flashes of it, but A.J. Hogard's a sophomore. Like he just started, got a starting job. Like you, you really can't count on him to do that. Um, like you need... Gabe Brown, Marcus Bingham, 
and Malik Hall doing it. And I, I just don't see it naturally for any of them. And, and this has been something they've been talking about, you know, really since the, since Gabe and Malik got named captains and, you know, they've been working on it and it's mid February and it's just, I don't know, they're not Draymond. Um, um, the Izzo, Izzo would love every day to have Draymond back or a guy like him, but there's just there's not a guy like that walking through that door for this team. I think it. it I think it's just hard, like you know, from a peer standpoint. Like I, I just think I'm obviously not on the same level, but I just think back to to when I played varsity sports and how, uh, you know, we would have issues like this, and you'd be waiting for someone. The coach would be like, someone needs to step up and take ownership. But it's like if nobody's separating themselves with their play or really like leading by example every single night. I think it's hard to stand up to a bunch of your peers and get in their ear and chirp at them when you're having the same issues. You know, I think that's just, this team doesn't have like that, that proof. I mean, Gabe Brown is their leading scorer at 12.1 points per game. Not going to be very long too. Yeah. yeah, And that's just like, like, are they, uh, this team is in danger of not even having a single player averaging double digit points. They have two guys right now. Malik Hall's averaging 10.2. Gabe Brown's averaging 12.1. Max Christie's at 9.8. Marcus Bingham at 9.5. But none of those guys are scoring double digit points game in and game out. I mean, it's I, th- I think it's just hard. Like when you when you have a team full of very equally uh, matched guys who have very um, specific skill sets and maybe are a little bit one dimensional in their play. It's hard to bark at someone when they're not doing uh, something as well as you are when you know, maybe their game just doesn't flow that way. I, you know what I mean? Like it's hard. To, there's no elf on the team, so it's hard for anyone to act like an alpha. Right. Right. Uh- I'll, I'll take an optimistic view though. Um, we haven't had, we haven't had a lot of that this pod. Um, you lost to Penn state in front of a JV girls basketball crowd. Okay. Sorry that there's no positive <laughs> coming from this end right now. It was, it was a really bad crowd. How many people were in that stadium? Crowd. I don't know. Like a couple thousand. Um, <laughs> like, the- so it's, it, it's February 16th today. Like, I have seen multiple Michigan state teams be a mess on February 16th and get it figured out. Um, including last year and including the last two years. Uh, hold on. I'm going to look up Ken Palm right now. Um, okay. So last, so in 2020 on February 15th, they lost at home to Maryland and they had lost four or five and and yep. Nine and six in the big 10. Um, and then they won five straight and they get the big 10 title last year. Um, yeah, I'm going to bring it up real quick. Uh, yeah, last year, 10 and 9 in the Big Ten. On February 16th, they had lost uh, 6 of 8, um, and then they win three straight. Mickey's. So it's like it needs to happen soon, but the last two years, like this is when it's happened. Um, so it, it, it is not too late. Uh, that being said, uh, boy, boy, their schedule. Oof. Uh, Illinois Saturday at Iowa. Purdue at home at Michigan at Ohio state, Maryland. Like that's, I, I saw, I saw it tweeted out the other day. Uh, Dylan from UM hoops tweeted out, like he has a metric of like just ranking your hardest games um, based on, you know, Ken Palm. And basically I think five of their six hardest teams are still on the schedule and they mm-hmm. have, and they have six games left. Like basically <laughs> of their six, um remaining games like five of them are like among the hardest that they're going to play so like you got a question about would you say they'd be favored to win in any of them does, does ken palm have them favored to win any of those games so ken palm has them favored against illinois on saturday which surprises me 
Um, Maryland's the only one like they definitely are. Um, that's the finale at home. Um, but like at Met- metrics love Michigan more than like, like I think they're better than their record, but like Ken Palm loves Michigan. Like he's got them losing there. Um, they're but 30, what are they? 30? What is Michigan? 38, they're 13 and 10 yeah. and they're 38. Overall. Right. That's, um, yeah. anyway, but to, to answer the question, um, Ken Palm has them at two and four in their last six beating Illinois on Saturday, beating Maryland in the finale, losing at Iowa, Purdue, at Michigan, at Ohio State. Um, so, I mean, I look at the six-game stretch. Oh, man, like if you could win three, like that that feels good. Um, I don't know. It depends what do you think? which three. I mean, if you pick yeah. up – if you pick – if you win – if you beat Illinois at home, obviously that's – I mean, that's big. That's huge. That's a big momentum. We'll probably all start mm-hmm. buying in. Someone will, you know, Malik Hall will go for 25. We'll get good point guard play, something like that. You know, and then they'll just look terrible again in the next game. I, I, I Kyle, I tweeted last night. I, I don't, I honestly don't, I'm not going into any game expecting them to win anymore. I'm just not, I'm not necessarily expecting them to lose, but I just, I won't be surprised by anything. I won't be surprised if they make the tournament and lose to a, you know, a 10 seed or 11 seed or whatever they're going to be. They look more like a, a seven seed than a five seed to me right now. So like, I wouldn't be surprised if they lose to anyone. This team, I think has a pretty high ceiling. If the collective parts come together, I think they can play with anyone. If, if things are going in the right way, I don't know if they can beat anyone. I think they can play with anyone, but the floor of this team is like last year, (laughs) you know, like when, when the parts don't come together, it's bad. Like it is downright gross. <laughs> no, the, 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 the those last fifteen minutes last night were were just putrid. Um, mm-hmm. uh, often the, the defensive rebounding and just like the number just like wide open shots they gave up. I don't know, and it's I don't know, it's different stuff. You know, some of it's I mean they're still turning the ball over, they're still not rebounding well. But like some games, it's you know they can't get a shot. Some games, it's like they they're not checking anyone. Yeah, they're. I agree. Low, low floor. <laughs> Penn State made some plays last night. I mean, Seth Lundy had a great game. He, I mean, Har obviously with the with the sixteen point sixteen rebounds, but Lundy made some tough shots. I will and say that. Let's and, be and th- so like, and Penn State's record's bad, but they had played with everybody, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Tom said his message to to Shrewsbury before the game is, "You're going to beat somebody. Just don't make it me tonight." Um, so I, I I do think Penn State's a little bit better than their record, but. Like you're up 14 in that building, which is not a hard building to close the game out in. Um, yeah, you got you got to win that. They're 10 and 12, and they're 86th in Ken Palm, and uh, let's see, 86th in the net too. So I mean, for being a 10 and 12 team, that's a pretty high rating actually. So I don't know. It, it's the Big Ten is what it is. It's it, it's never easy. It's never easy. And I think that's part of the reason why people are like, oh boy, here we go. Because there's no rest for the weary for this team. We just talked about the schedule. If they don't figure it out quickly, then it could get ugly down the stretch here. And this season could completely snowball. I mean, it, we've seen it happen before where, you know, not necessarily where a team is playing, but I think some of those teams were like, they, they just sort of sneak in the tournament and then they, you know, they get in like an eight, nine game or a seven, 10 game. Um, you know, they usually win that and then they'll lose to like a one or two seed. You know, I'm thinking of Miles and Cassius when they were freshmen and they lost to Kansas in the second round, those sort of teams. I, I didn't like get the sense that they were like lacking certain pillars of Michigan State teams. You know, like this team just it's they seem to get outboarded when they when they need rebounds the most. They don't come up with rebounds when they need them the most. 
at times. They don't know who's going to get the ball down the stretch. There's just a lot of warts with this team. And I think it comes from just not having uh, those one or two, uh, you know, elite players. So yeah, I think it's just, it's just a good team that has a lot of flaws. That to me has been the difference the last two years is just not knowing who the dude on the team is. Um, because you look well, we before knew Henry that, was the dude last year, yeah, I guess right. That's true. We knew Henry was the dude. Um, he just, yeah, he was a very good player. He just he wasn't Cassius or Denzel, which very few guys are. Um, right. but I mean, this program went straight from you know Cassius Winston to or straight from Denzel Valentine, uh, being national player of the year to. Obviously, they had a bumpy year when they brought in that 16 class, but pretty soon it was, you know, they had two, three stars and then Cassius for a couple of years. Um, and then, yeah, they've struggled to find the next guy. And you can, I don't know, you can point to recruiting or um, or whatever you want to do, but they need somebody to break out. And um, like, I do think that I, I still think Matt Christie could be very good next year. I think if, you know, Malik Hall could be very good. Um, like, like I see enough young talent that like, I see dudes of the future, <laughs> if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Um, but they're not there yet this year and they, they need their seniors to be given them more than they are, as we talked about. See, and I agree with that, Kyle, because I'm seeing some people, you know, obviously people are real emotional right now, but I'm, you know, seeing people talk about how there's, there's not like that next line of guys that at least gives you excitement. I see very clearly that next line of guys. So do I, and I see it in the recruiting. I see it in the recruits too. I mean, you don't know how they're going to be when they get to campus. I mean, they're not getting like huge five-star guys, although that's what Max Christie was. I mean, they had a top 10 class. This this class this year was a top 10 class or right down the borderline you know, a little farther down this coming year, but Holloman and Kohler both look like very good players. And then you have Jeremy Fears committed for 23 and we'll see what happens with Braylon Green and others. But it's not like Michigan State is like the recruiting has fallen off to the point where you're not bringing in like four stars and stuff consistently. Like, no, you can't use the talent argument or the, oh, Izzo can't do things anymore. Or he's losing touch. I, I'm not, I can't, I just can't buy into that narrative. I still think Michigan State is going to be fine as a program. They just need to find that next guy to step up, which has been the case for basically all of Izzo's career where that next line comes up and someone takes a step and it just hasn't happened this year. I, I can tell you, I, I tweeted this the other day because I, I asked about a press conference. He's very happy with how the rotation is played out this year, which, you know, I know people are probably throwing things right now, but in the sense that like, like a, take a guy like Jade Nakins, like, his season has played out pretty much exactly how the staff wanted it to, as far as like him playing enough to get his feet wet and get a feel for the game, but they're not asking too much of him, you know, like they did of AJ Hoare last year when he wasn't ready, but he had to start because nobody was doing anything. Um, and he was, you know, over his head and had a bad freshman season. Like um, he's, they're not asking him to do that, but he's not, he's playing, you know, he's playing a legitimate role on the team. So it's like, they feel like this is like the ideal year one for a guy like Jaden Nakins. And then next year he's ready for a bigger role. And then he's kind of on that in that progression, you know, Pierre Brooks, you, you notice playing a little bit more. They're trying to kind of do the same thing with him. Um, AJ Holgard, I think they, they feel like they've ramped up um, pretty well this year. Um, I, he's a guy we haven't talked about, you know, I know he, you know, he rolled his ankle. Um the flashes I see from him makes me think that he could be a very good point guard for them um, in mm-hmm. the next two, three years. Um, I guess two years, I should say, assuming he plays four. Um, uh, the, the flashes he shows, I think he's, I think he's been making better decisions. I think he's cut down on his turnovers. Um, still an up and down game because he's a sophomore um, and hasn't played a ton. But 
Um, I, I we, we want to talk about the guys of the future. Like um, I, I think he has the potential to be a very solid point guard for them next year and the year after. So uh, yeah, I, I this year's team. I don't know. How, I don't know how it's going to end. I don't know if they're going to come together. I don't know if they're not. But I, I see enough to think that next year's team is going to be better than this year's. Doesn't AJ Hogard lead lead the country in some stat? Like it's not assist to turnover ratio, or maybe so. It's is. so it's assist rate, which is basically like while you're on the floor the baskets that your teammates score, how many of those are you assisting? And okay. he's at like, he's at 48.9, which is number one in the country. And as of the other day, it might've slipped a little bit because of last night, but as of the, the other day, his rate was better than anyone Cassius Winston ever put up, which kind of blows my mind. Um, and better yeah. than anybody's in the last five years, except John Morant. And that guy's doing okay. Last I checked. So, um, I mean, he, even last night he had five assists and no turnovers. I yeah, mean, the, some Indiana. of the passes he makes, are, you know, are just mind blowing to me. Um, uh-huh. And you know, he still plays like a freshman. He he, he doesn't shoot it very well. You know, obviously, um, he's going to work want to work on that, and his body has been kind of a work in progress. But some of the flashes I see from him, um, I, I think they're excited about for the future. And, you know, Aikens and Christie, I, I still think everyone should be encouraged by Max Christie's season, um, considering he's playing 30 minutes a game, checking very good players, um, being asked to handle the ball more now, being in ball screens. Shoot, he played point guard the other day for a little bit. You know, like they're asking a freshman to do like everything for them. And he's doing okay. He's having good games and bad games. But I think overall, um, people should be encouraged about by what they're seeing from Max Christie. So, um, I, I, I think I, I, I like what I've seen from the younger guys. They're just, they're young guys right now. They're not ready to, to, to carry a team. I'm just looking at hey, Hogarth's game log because I, you know, I forget with his up and down play, but like, you know, 14 and eight versus Indiana, 11 and 10 versus Michigan, mm-hmm. uh, 10 and eight versus high point. I mean, these are, those are, those are great assist numbers, man. Yeah. So like 12 and eight versus at Wisconsin. So I agree. Hogard looks like the more overall comfortable point guard, uh, at least right now. I think, you know, again, Tyson Walker, we see him get bodied at times uh, because he's a smaller guy and makes some ridiculous passes. And I don't know, like he just might be better suited as a backup point guard in the big 10. But then again, he does have a more, he's a better shooter. So I think they do need both working in tandem. We saw what happened when they did that against Indiana, but Hogard does seem like the more natural. Uh, he just looks more comfortable with some of the passes he makes running mm-hmm. the break, uh, whatnot. So I agree. This isn't like, we got to keep things in perspective. Like I've been pretty negative this pod and for good reason, they just lost to Penn state, but like, you know, we got to, the sky is not falling. I mean, the team, I had people in my mentions, you know, fans of other teams, you know, other media people, whoever, like, uh, because somebody posted on the message board, you know, that people should throw things at his own. And I think that was a joke. <laughs> I hope, hope it's a joke. Do not do that. Yeah. Please don't do that. That's messed up. Um, but, uh, like, you know, like they're like, I wish, uh, you know, a down season was my team being, you know, 18 and seven and ranked in the right. top 25 all season. So, uh, you know, Michigan state fans, they're very spoiled. They are. I'm one of them. Like we have had two plus decades of, Fantastic basketball played in East Lansing, eight Final Fours, Big Ten Championships, programs done things a certain way. They're largely considered one of the best in the country. So when things aren't operating smoothly at a high level, uh, things get a little hairy. But fans, we got to keep it in perspective, too. Like you still got it better off than I would say 90 percent of America. (laughs) Right. And, you know, it's been two years now, I think, of maybe play teams that aren't up. To, to the standard. And I, I think that kind of compounds upon itself a little bit, but you know, before that they won three big, three straight big 10 titles. So um, that, that, that's not that far away. 
you were in the final four in 2019. Yeah. <laughs> like, so like, just relax. Uh, a lot of season left. I agree. It's been frustrating uh, because of the up and down nature of this season. Um, it's been frustrating to talk about for me, but you know, it's, we still got the stretch run here. You got the second half of February and you have March and a lot of things can ha- uh, still happen. So, uh, you know, if you're Michigan state, I think if you're the players, hopefully they're, they are recognizing uh, what's happening. Hopefully they're still listening to their coach and needing someone to rise up. And, and maybe instead of talking to the media, they sort of talked to each other last night, Kyle. And, and uh, you know, maybe, maybe some people did say some things that will resonate with their peers. So mm. um, anything else or should we get out of here? No, I think we, I think we got it covered. Yep. Next game is you got the schedule up. What is the next game? Uh, Saturday, Saturday right? uh, against Illinois, and that's a noon game, by the way. That that game time changed. If you're uh, if you're making any plans around it, it's on Fox, right? Or is it yes, I, I don't Fox. know. I just try and uh, you know how to find it, people. You'll figure it out. It's on one of those two, but yeah, noon ESPN. on Saturday. ESPN. There you go. Cool. Um, so yeah, uh, another chance, another big opportunity. You got Illinois coming to your place. Uh, you know, that's a game that they certainly could have had in Champaign. So I'm sure the players will be motivated, uh, with a top, you know, 15 team coming, coming to the Breslin. And I think we can, uh, the ship has sailed on a big 10 championship, Kyle, but if you're the players and you still have dreams of that, this is a game you got to win. Yeah. I, I, I was kind of, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to the two games back. They're not mathematically out of it tonight. Last night felt like the end of the big 10 title chase to me. Maybe this team will shock me, but that, that's what it felt like to me. Yeah. I said that in 22. So, right. <laughs> and then they won four, six straight or whatever and won the big 10. So uh, you never know with Tom is though. Um, but yeah, we will be there to cover it. So um, appreciate everyone for listening today. Keep the faith. If you're a Spartan fan, uh, a lot of season left and, and more opportunities ahead. So uh, appreciate everyone for listening. If you could check out our uh, page at uh, mlive.com slash Spartans. Kyle's got some post-game coverage up there. Uh, give us a rating and review if you enjoy the show and send us those questions. Matt, I'm sure we'll be uh, back next week as we start getting closer to spring football, but there just wasn't a ton of football news, so we kind of uh, just focused on basketball here because I know it's uh, top of mind for a lot of you. So keep the face, Spartan Nation. We'll talk to you next time. And for Kyle Lawson, I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you for listening to MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. And go great.